Well, hey, fans of biblical genetics, welcome to a new episode. This is Dr. C coming at you from my home as I'm recording this little intro to today's topic, which I titled Biblical Bottlenecks Are Not Bad. I'm presenting this because there's a very interesting thing in the world of science, and that is when a population gets really small, things in genetics happen very quickly. Mutations pile up quickly, genetic diversity is lost very quickly, and a lot of times during a bottleneck, a species might go extinct. So it's a giant mystery for the evolutionary story, which claims that we came from a bottleneck in Africa that lasted a very long time. But for the biblical story, there's actually bottlenecks built into the account, but they're not dangerous. They're different from the evolutionary bottleneck because they don't last a long time. The first is the bottleneck associated with Adam and Eve. If all of their children had to marry each other and the grandchildren had to marry each other, well, you have an awful lot of inbreeding. Was that a disaster? Can we survive that? That's a very good question. The second bottleneck is associated with Noah's flood. You had a whole world population reduced down to eight people. How many genes would survive that? Would we lose all the diversity? Would the inbreeding drive us to extinction? Would um, you know recessive mutations come to the fore and all of a sudden we're just a bunch of mutant mongrels who are just dying away because we're, we're so deformed? Those are good questions, and I'm going to answer them. You might also want to consider the show notes for this episode or go to creation.com and look up the genetic effects of population bottleneck associated with the Genesis flood. Or just go to my bio on creation.com, type in Carter, and look through my articles, and you'll see something about the genetic effects of the Noah's flood bottleneck. A lot of details there. I provide a lot of analyses of genetic data and what we would expect, how much genetic diversity we would lose or keep in a flood scenario. This is a very, very interesting question. But before I get into it, I do want to thank some supporters. Specifically this week, I want to thank Kevin, uh, Steph Soapmaker, Dan B., and Pastor P. for your support. You all are behind me, and I appreciate it. And all those coffees are um, really powering this whole entire podcast uh, just for you. I also need to definitely thank Ken F. for the surprisingly large donation uh, that just came in my mailbox, and I have no idea why you would do such a thing, but thank you. You have inspired me to keep on pushing through all of the difficulties. Um, this is actually much more difficult than I thought it was going to be. This much bigger spiritual battle than I thought it was going to be. You know, the powers that be don't want this information to come out. Now, I'm not trying to do conspiracy theory sort of stuff, but I am pretty certain that, you know, that the big platforms don't want to promote a show that contradicts the evolutionary story. And since this show is definitely doing that and is designed to do that, I'm kind of wondering if maybe they're resistant and how that might be affecting my stats and things like that. But then again, maybe I should just be realistic about this and realize that I'm a newbie and I'm just starting off and everyone starts off with zero fans. And so as my fan base is growing and as my subscribers are growing, my, my number of podcast downloads is growing and I can see you know people throwing me some coffee money every once in a while. This is really nice and really good. And honestly, fans, if you have a uh, podcast that you really like listening to, throw the guy or the lady or the people some encouragement because this is really hard to do. It's sort of like my pastors. I didn't realize how hard a pastor's job was until I needed a pastor for some uh, life, uh, let's just say, difficulties I was having. And so now I'm much more aware of what they go through and how much they help me. And so I'm complimenting him a lot more often than I used to. So if you're not uh, involved in the propagation of information on the internet, 
Maybe you don't know how difficult it can be, or maybe you probably have a pretty good idea because you know what? You say something and everyone jumps on you. The trolls hate you, and then they'll they'll capture screenshots and share it in, in their uh, their anti-Christian groups, and it's just extremely frustrating. But on the other hand, it's incredibly encouraging because I get to meet all sorts of really cool people. I also love doing this. I absolutely love talking about the Bible and talking about science. It's like what I'm made to do. So God put a giant nerd brain in my head, maybe not a great personality, but at least I got, you know, one thing going for me. And so I'm going to try to use that to his glory as best I can. And hopefully he will see fit to get this message and let it spread a little bit. But you know, even if it doesn't, even if it goes nowhere, even if I got zero fans, which isn't true. I have a lot of fans now. Thank you. But even if I had zero, I would like to think that I would still be doing this. Because if you think about the prophets in the Old Testament, I mean, everybody wants to be a Daniel. Everybody wants to be a Joseph. Nobody wants to be a Jeremiah. So everyone wants to be a success. You know, struggle through a few things, fine, and watch the mighty works of God and all these amazing things happen because of you. But nobody wants to be the guy whose life just stinks. <laughs> So, be encouraged, my friends. Be encouraged. We are here for a reason, and that reason is not necessarily to win on our own. Well, God will win in the end. This is true. But sometimes he calls us just to fight a losing battle if necessary. Now, do I think this biblical genetics battle is losing? Absolutely not. Absolutely, 100% no. I am so happy that I'm in the field of genetics. I think this is the best argument we have for creation is actually DNA and genetics. Bar none. But I do understand also that there's a lot of resistance to this. And so we just have to keep on slugging away. And with your backing, with your help, I'm going to keep on cranking out information that maybe you can use. And I also would appreciate some feedback from you because I don't necessarily know what you're thinking, what your questions are, what you would like me to address in the future. So send me a message. Contact me on any one of the number of different ways that you can do it, either sending me a question through biblicalgenetics.com or on Facebook or on my Biblical Genetics Facebook group. You can probably find me on uh, creation.com. You can click on the Contact Us button and send a message through there. There's all sorts of ways to reach me. But it's up to you. I'm just trying to guess right now what people are interested in and what they need to hear. And this video that went out last week, I had a lot of people say that was really good. So hopefully this is going to be encouraging to you. But one person who I've known for, well, since I was in college, so I've known him since 1987. Wow. He said, this is the best video that I've done yet. So what you're about to hear, hopefully will be extremely encouraging to some of you. Hopefully going to be exciting and hopefully going to be informative. Biblical bottlenecks are not bad. Welcome to Biblical Genetics. I'm your host, Dr. C. I'm coming at you today from the banks of the Nanahal River in North Carolina. I love this place. Now, the reason I chose this location is because I'm actually standing in front of a, what we'll call a bottleneck. It's a place in the river where the river gets really narrow and really fast. This is why whitewater rafting happens here and kayakers come here because the water is really fast. Now upstream, there'll be some slow portions in the river where it's wide and deep. And downstream, there's definitely some lakes where if you're in a lake, you don't even know that you're floating in a river. It's so slow. But here, everything changes. Here, things are fast. Imagine that a human population is very large and it suddenly is contracted to a very small group of people. 
and it lasts that way for a little while, for a long time maybe, and then it grows again to a new population. That's called a bottleneck, and it's during that narrow part where all the interesting things happen. Interesting from genetic standpoint, because bottlenecks are chaotic. Things happen like crazy. Things happen fast. Now I want to use that as a platform to discuss a couple of questions that I get often. One of them is, um, deals with Adam and Eve, and, and it goes like this. If all of humans came from just Adam and Eve, how could we have survived the bottleneck? Wouldn't we have gone extinct as everyone is marrying their brother and their sister and their cousin? I mean, that's bad. You're not supposed to marry people closely related to you. So let's unpack that. In this idea of Adam and Eve, we have a one generation bottleneck. We have God creating Adam and Eve from scratch and they go on to create all the people in the world today. Right, is that possible? Would we have gone extinct? Mm. Actually, yes, it's possible. And no, we wouldn't have gone extinct. Let me, let me explain why. First of all, we're not talking about an evolutionary bottleneck where we have an earlier population that's already loaded with a lot of mutations. We have God creating Adam and Eve from scratch with no mutations, nothing bad in their genomes. Second, we don't have a, bo uh, a bottleneck that lasts for a very long period of time, which is generally disastrous for a species. Instead, we have Adam and Eve uh, having lots of children and the population grows very quickly. So those two factors there mean this is not an evolutionary bottleneck. It's not a giant problem. We're not gonna go extinct if we start from Adam and Eve. Okay, but there's a lot of genetic diversity amongst people today. Where did that all come from? Well, we can answer that in several ways too. First of all, most of the genetic diversity found in people across the world is literally found in people across the world. There are a few genes found in Africa only and, or in Europe only, but never in 100% of Europeans and never in 100% of Africans. Oh, and there's about uh, maybe 10 million variants that we found across the world. Now, think about this, you, your two genomes you got from your mother and your father, they disagree with one another in about three million places. So in about three million places, and if you look at one chromosome, oh, here's a place where you got this letter from mom, but a different letter from dad. About three million O's in you, which means you carry about one third of the world's genetic diversity. But also, these common variants that are found across the world don't cause disease. So the evolutionists would say, oh, these are mutations that happened and natural selection has had enough time to weed out the bad mutations so the common mutations aren't bad for us. They're, they're neutral or maybe sometimes, maybe they're positive for us. Well, I have another idea. What if God engineered into Adam about 10 million genetic variants that weren't bad? So now all of a sudden we're talking about this Adam and Eve scenario. We've got Adam with a little bit more genetic diversity found than found in a single person today, but not an extreme amount. And his genetic diversity goes on to give rise to all the genetic diversity in the world today. We don't need mutation to explain it. We just need God engineering it into Adam and Eve. Cool. So is the Adam and Eve model a problem? No, it's not. In fact, we can explain people with Adam and Eve without needing millions of years, without needing common ancestry with, with chimpanzees, without natural selection, having to engineer things. We just have, have to have God put things into Adam and Eve and we start from there. Okay, but there's another bottleneck and that is at the flood, 
the entire world population was reduced to only eight people. Noah, his wife, their three sons, and their three wives. Ooh, eight people, that doesn't sound like a lot. That sounds like a giant bottleneck. That sounds like a big problem. That sounds like we're gonna go extinct as all of Noah's grandchildren start marrying each other and the great-grandchildren marry each other. And Isn't this a massive problem? Well, let's talk about it. First of all, we've only had about 1,600 years from creation to the flood. That's not a lot of time for mutations to accumulate, so we would assume that the population doesn't have the mutation load that the modern population has. If you took one family today and killed off all the rest of the people in the world and say, okay, family, you're gonna become the ancestors of all the future people, that would be a problem because of the mutation load. It wasn't nearly as big a problem back then. But wouldn't we have lost all the genetic diversity that was in the world if we reduced the world population down to only a few people? And the answer to that is it depends. It depends on how many people and how closely related they are. If you took those eight people and the worst case scenario, let's say that the three daughters-in-law of Noah are actually daughters of Noah. Yeah, let's do that. They would probably capture about 50% of the genetic diversity in the world before the flood. Oh, so to get the 10 million common variants we see today, we'd have to have Adam and Eve have about 20 million common variants and we can lose about half. Oh, that's not that big a deal, okay. But if the three daughters-in-law aren't closer related, they could have captured 80% up to 90% of the genetic diversity found in the world. And how do I know that? Well, what I did was I took genetic data from modern people, and I said, okay, how many people do I need to capture X percent of the diversity? And if I had a bunch of people that were closer related or distant related, how much genetic diversity would be captured? And I published this in the Journal of Creation. There'll be a link to this in the show notes. And what I discovered was that, yeah, the flood scenario, we would actually capture most of the genetic diversity. So we don't lose a bunch. It's not like everyone becomes completely inbred very quickly. And because we don't have a giant mutation load before this, it's not like we're gonna um, breed ourselves into non-existence through mutation. So the Adam and Eve story, the Noah's flood story actually works. And I'm gonna break because I've got another subject that I wanna talk about. I wanna split it into a second episode because I think it's gonna take me a long time to talk. So if you carry on to the next episode, you'll probably see me standing right here and I'm gonna be talking about a different subject. But that's all for this little snippet. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you're encouraged. Hey, I can't do this without your fans and I really appreciate you. Thanks for your support. Thanks for your time. This is Dr. C signing off from the Nantahala River in Western North Carolina. Have a great day.